faith and familiarity. So if you are making notes, you can just write that down. This is very important. I couldn't wait to get this word to you today because this is an important one in terms of your faith in God. Faith and familiarity. And we are going to read from Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. You can just go to Mark chapter 6 today. Mark chapter 6. And we will be reading from verse 1 to verse 6. Mark chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 6. If you have it, say Amen. amen. I'm reading from the ESV. The Word of God declares, Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? Matthew, it will say, Matthew 13. Is this not the carpenter's son? The son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do, listen to this, very important, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Now, before we get into the text, I, I first want to start by defining faith again. As we have spoken of the word faith in the last few weeks, we said that faith in the Greek is called pistis. It is pistis in the Greek, and it means that it is a moral conviction of God's truth and belief with the predominant idea of trust in God. In other words, we said that faith is belief and complete trust in God and His Word. So I'm going to say that again. Faith is complete trust in God and His Word. And then I'm also going to, I said, the subject that we are dealing with today is faith and familiarity. So I'm going to define familiarity as well. Familiarity is the state of knowing someone or something well. The state of recognizing someone or something. So now we have an idea what faith means and what familiarity means regarding our subject today. Now the question is, what 
does our faith have to do with familiarity or the other way around as well what does familiarity have to do with our faith and we will closely look at how familiarity affects our faith today you see when we investigate the life and upbringing of Jesus Christ we understand through scripture that Caesar Augustus who was emperor of Rome Caesar means king so it was not his name so Augustus Caesar Augustus was King Augustus so he was the emperor of Rome and this specific emperor of Rome at a specific time declared that under the rule of the Roman Empire it was custom that everyone was supposed to be registered in terms of the Roman government in terms of their tax law that they had implemented or that existed under the Roman government so it was custom to their culture that everyone was supposed to be registered under the tax law and this they, they had a census in other words they had an official count of people an official official count of members of a population to carry out the task in other words same like with the voting system that will happen they will count the amount of people or the population that will vote and then those people will be eligible to vote so in this terms or in this context here we see that Caesar Augustus sent out the word that they will have to do a census they will have to count the population and everyone needs to be registered in terms of the tax law under Roman government if you can look at Luke chapter 2 the word of God says from Luke chapter 2 verse 3 the word of God says and all went to be registered each to his own town this was before Jesus was born each to his own town and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of where <laughs> from the town of where so Joseph went from so so that tells us where was Nazareth situated in Galilee so Joseph went from the town of Nazareth to where to Judea so we had if you look at the biblical map of Palestine at this time we had what we call Galilee here and then we had Samaria and then here we had Judea so Joseph had to leave Galilee and he had to go to Bethlehem if you look at the text the word of God says in Luke 2 verse 4 and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem so Bethlehem was situated in Judea and not in Galilee because he was of the house and lineage of of lineage of David so so in other words Joseph was from the bloodline of David and then verse 5 says they went there to be registered with he went there to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give 
birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So did Mary give birth to Jesus Christ. Now my question is to you, did Mary give birth to Jesus in Nazareth? She didn't. We just read that. Mary didn't give birth to Jesus in Nazareth. She gave birth to Jesus where? In Bethlehem, in Judea. Now, now she, she gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, a city whose name signified house of bread, where David himself was born according to 1 Samuel 17 verse 12. So David himself was born in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was called the house of bread. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus says, I am the bread of life from the house of Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. So, so in Luke chapter 2 verse 22, we can also see here that Luke 2 verse 22 records that they left Bethlehem again. They left Bethlehem and went to Jerusalem for the Jewish custom of purification according to the law of Moses. So by this time Jesus was already born. So now they left Bethlehem to go to Jerusalem in order for the purification to happen according to the Jewish law with Christ Jesus as a newborn baby, as a male. Now listen to verse 39 to verse 40 of the same chapter of Luke 2. The word of God says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned where? Into Galilee. So now they are leaving Judea and they are going back to? Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. So now they are back in Nazareth. And the word of God says in verse 40, and the child, this is very important, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So my question is, where did Jesus grow up? in Nazareth. So Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And now we get to Mark chapter 6 since we understand it. Mark 6 verse 1 that we read says, Jesus went away from there referring to Capernaum which was also situated in Galilee. He went away from there and came to his hometown. So where is his hometown? Nazareth and his disciples followed him says verse 1 Mark 6 verse 1 so Jesus went away from Capernaum also founded in the region of Galilee and he came to his hometown called Nazareth so in other words Jesus went back home to his own society to his own people 
where he grew up and the people who surrounded him while he grew up. And in terms of ministry, no matter how great and awesome it may be to go outside of where you grew up, there will always be a desire for your own people. There will always be a desire for your own people. You can go to the States and pastor a church in the States. I tell you, you will always look at what's happening in South Africa. If you are born here, there will always be that desire that my own people also needs the Christ. You see, you may be called to nations. But deep down inside, you will always feel for those who you grew up with. Especially when God has done radical change in your life. If, If you have seen what God has done in your personal life, and how He has changed things for you, and how He has transformed you, there will always be a desire for you to go back and say, look what God has done. And what He has done for me, He can do for There will always be that desire. And even if you have settled somewhere else, when the opportunity arises to share the gospel with those you grew up with, you will become so excited to speak regarding the grace of God in your life. No wonder the first thing that happens normally when we become born again, the first thing we want to do is go back to our old friends and tell them about the Christ that saved our lives. You see, most ministers at some point will visit home. Jesus himself said, let me go home a bit and see what's happening. You see, in Mark 6 verse 2, The word of God says, And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. While he was home, he was in Nazareth now. So now he starts to teach in the synagogue. The Bible says, And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now now Jesus is in his hometown and he wants to impart what was given to him and he wants to give to them. But since society at this stage already have a picture of who Jesus was, the first thing they asked was, where did this man get these things? You see, Christ comes to them and he wants to impart, he wants to give them everlasting life and they are caught up with who he was and how he grew up and the fact that they know him. And since society already have a picture of who you were 
and how you grew up. It becomes a surprise to them when God's plan for your life comes into fulfillment, especially in the ministry. You see, they, they, the, the word they astonished me, they were surprised. And it led them to ask three questions. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? And how are such mighty works done by his hands? They, they questioned his understanding of explaining scripture. Where did this man get these things? They questioned the wisdom he spoke with. What is this wisdom given to him? And they questioned the mighty works he did. How is it that this man does mighty works with his hands? You see, these are common questions that our people who know us as ministers battle with. Uh, can, I, can I say that again? These are common questions that our people who know us and who know our past and how we grew up battle with. In fact, they had the attitude of there is no way you can have such understanding because I know how you grew up. This is the mentality that our people are dealing with. Since, since I know you, Shannon, and I know your grades at school, there is no way that you can explain scripture to me like that. Since, since I know who you were and how you grew up and how you lived and how you did things, there is no way that you can speak with such wisdom. In fact, I know how you messed up your own life few years ago. So how is it that you want to tell me? How is it that you want to speak wisdom into my life? There is no way that you can tell me anything. In fact, this is the big one. Since I know you had a drink in your hand every weekend, there's no way you can lay hands on me. Hey. There's no way you can lay your hands on me and pray that God heals me. There is no way. Because I know you, I recognize you, and I know how you grew up. Where did this man get these things from? What is this wisdom given to him? How is it that God does mighty things with his hands? Anybody but him. <laughs> in fact, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm going to tell you now. In the African context, we wait for people from overseas who we know nothing of their lifestyles and how they lived before and we are convinced completely that this is the one who will lay hands on me and something will happen. And I'm telling you, if you can just ask the people in his congregation or in her congregation from overseas, do you know this man? They will feel the same way that you feel about me. Or that you feel about your minister if you listen online. Since I know how you grew up, since I know your grades at school, since I know how chaotic you lived, 
There is no way that you can lead me. There's no way that God can use you to lead me. There's no way that this man can lay hands on me and God heals me. Isn't it said that we miss out on so many blessings because we despise our own? Pitch up a tent, put a nice poster on there and say, this is a man from South America and this, he has healing power and then we all run to them and God has been trying to heal you for the last seven years in your own context and you never got your healing because you've been running from tent to tent and crusade to crusade and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with crusades I myself will attend crusades but I'm telling you right now if your blessing only depends on a crusade God will never be able to perform what he has promised for you not because he has unbelief but you because you have unbelief where did this man get these things from? who gave him this wisdom and how does he do these things with his hands and then in Mark 6 verse 3 the word of God says they even go further they listen to what they ask is this not the carpenter? Matthew 13 says, Is this not the carpenter's son? The son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? Are not his sisters among us? And the Bible says they took offense because of that. You see, another question that your own will ask. Is this not the son of Ellen? <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. is, 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 is this not a Stevens? Because mm -hmm. we only know them for this. Aye. Nothing else. Is this not a McKenna? We only know them for this. Nothing else. Mm -hmm. Is this not the son of Ellen? Another thing that your own will ask. Mm -hmm. Because your own will look at your family. They, they looked at Jesus' family and they knew how they lived. They knew their, their economical status. They knew how they struggled. They knew what issues and challenges the family had. They looked at that and they judged him based, they judged his ministry based on his family. Is this not the son of the carpenter. You see, your own will look at your family and determine who you can become. And in Gideon, while God has called you as a mighty man of valor, your social, your, your, your social environment has convinced you that you are the least of your clan. Hey. Go, go and read Judges. God speaks to Gideon and he says to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. God tells him that and, and, and society told him that you are the least of your clan. And the first thing 
Gideon answers, he says to God, I am the least of my brethren, I'm the least of my clan. There is no way that I can do this. They will look at the failures of your family and they will determine on behalf of you if you can minister to them or not. They, they, they will even go as far as decide based on where you came from to decide are you even good enough to preach to them? To pray for them? To lead them? The challenges of our own. The gospel states that they took offense after they, after they identified who Jesus was. They took, they took offense. You see, because I know who you are and I know how you grew up, there is nothing about God that you can teach me is the mentality. And, and, and what I'm going to say now is not even in context of Christ. Because the Bible clearly says, in, it clearly states in Hebrews that Jesus knew no sin. He was without sin. But, but with us, it, it becomes very difficult. You see, Jesus knew no sin and still they treated him this way. So, so, so we knew sin and we came from a life of sin. And therefore, it becomes even difficult because our own will even use our past failures in sinful lifestyles against us. You had so many women and men, and yet you want to be all churchy and tell me not to cheat. You had so many drinks every weekend, and yet you want to tell me that this is going to mess up my family. Who are you to tell me? You enjoyed yours, let me enjoy mine. You stole so much money and yet you want to tell me this is going, this greed is about to mess up my whole family and take my life to prison, yet you stole mine. Who are you to tell me? You took as well, let me take mine. In fact, you were so corrupt and yet you want to tell me that I shouldn't take illegal tenders. Who are you to tell me? See, when God brings radical change, the enemy will make your own question your ministry. And Jesus taught them in the synagogue, he gave them value in, the, in terms of teaching. But they allowed their familiarity to stop their encounter with God. You see, our own suffers from this spirit. And when I say spirit, I'm referring to attitude. Our own suffers from this spirit, from this attitude. 
You see, this attitude was so destructive. Let me explain to you something that happened in Nazareth. This attitude that these people had was so destructive. Listen to Luke 4 verse 28 to 30 when Jesus spoke to them. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke 4 verse 28 to 30. The Bible says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with anger, with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brown of the hill on which their town was built so that they can throw him down the cliff. In fact, because they knew who he was and they couldn't accept who he was at that specific point in time, they got so angry that they wanted to kill him. The gospel says in Mark 6 verse 4, listen to what Jesus says to them after they ask those questions. Jesus said to them, a prophet, I want you to get this, a prophet is not without honor, comma, <laughs> a prophet is not without honor, and then after this he, go, he goes on and he says, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. See, when Jesus said a prophet is not without honor, the word honor in Greek is etymos, which means despise. So in other words, he said a, honor, a, a prophet is never despised. He's never rejected. He's never despised except where? <laughs> He's never rejected except among his own But I love the words that Jesus used here. He says, in his hometown, and then he goes and he says, and among his relatives, his family, his own family, and in his own household. Not even the family uh, out there that lives in PE, Jason, but the family in his own space, under the same roof. You see, that's a difficult one because the first thing, in fact, your family knows you better than those outside. So, in fact, if your family hates, <laughs> and um, uh, let, let me be truthful because this happens in our social environment. If your family hates your siblings or your parents, even if God changes your life, they will question you. Because they cannot accept based on the environment, based on the fact that they have associated. Is this not the son of? Which is actually a sad thing because I believe that God always raises up a prophet within families to help that family overcome great and mighty things. But they will first consult the psychologist before they allow you to pray for them because they know you. And the psychologist at... See, I love God because sometimes you will humble you so much that psychologist will be able to do nothing for you until you acknowledge that I have sent someone in your family to pray for you so that I can deliver you. But because of your familiarity that you are battling with, 
you do not accept who I have sent. And then in Mark 6 verse 5, the Bible says, listen to this, and Jesus could do no mighty work there. When? In Nazareth. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Listen to the consequence of such attitude. Jesus could do no mighty work for them. Because they did not believe that God could do mighty things through him, God could not do mighty things for them. Should I say that again? This is how familiarity affects your faith. Because you did not believe that God can do it through him. There's nothing he can do for you. So although you declare the world's faith, unless you accept my servant that I've sent to you, because he's my vessel that I'm going to do it through, there's nothing, I, I cannot do anything for you. And it's not about us. Because I'm a vessel that God uses. And therefore, I always declare, when you come to church, you don't do it for me. It's your relationship with Christ. Because I have to give account just as you. The Bible says a few people believed and were healed. But most of the people missed out the greatest blessing they could ever encounter in their lives because they allowed their familiarity to affect their faith. Imagine if you were there. And Christ is here. And he wants to deliver you from something that has been bothering you for 17 or 25 years. And the only thing that's keeping you from your deliverance is, I know this man. <laughs> In fact, that's how it is today. The only thing that most of the time keeps us from our deliverance is, Nah, this old chef. And I even may say, What is he going to tell me? You see, your, your faith has not been working for you because you have opted to choose someone often, someone that you do not often know. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that someone from the outside cannot come and pray for you and something doesn't happen. But as soon as that is your mentality, that that's the only way that it can happen, that is idolatry. Because you despise whom God has sent to you. And you wait for those whom He has sent to others. My, before I conclude, my wife, and, and my, I drove with my wife one day, and she said to me, in fact, it was, I think it was during, our, yes, it was during our Holy Spirit series. My wife said to me, there's a pastor from the States, very famous, people love him, young guy. 
I'm not going to mention his name because I respect him and I love what he's doing and what God is doing through him. And this is not even about him. But I'm trying to show you how the enemy has conditioned our minds. My wife says to me, she gets in the car and she says, I've just listened to the same series that this pastor is teaching while you are teaching the same series. I didn't even know. And my wife says to me, he said the same things that you said on Sunday. But we'll buy data, tune into YouTube to hear this. We'll pay money to hear the same thing that God told you for free. Because we despise our own. And there's nothing wrong with the pastor from the States. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to sermons online or on YouTube or anything. But I'm saying to you that God has answered your prayer so many times through your own. And you had to tune in before you would believe. In South Africa, our nation needs to learn this principle that familiarity does affect your faith. Christ could do no mighty things there. Because in this country, we despise those whom God has raised up in this country. And therefore, our people are being manipulated everywhere. Because they run after every man uh, with a white suit. <laughs> and I'm not saying there's something wrong with your white suit. If you are watching online or if you are listening on podcasts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your white suit. But I'm saying that we despise our own whom God has raised up in this country. And in concluding, in conclusion, this is, this is what Christ says. The Bible says here, in Mark 6 verse 6, Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. And he left. He went about teaching in other villages. In other words, the word marvel there, he was surprised at their unbelief. Like, what? Can you not see what I'm doing? And yet, this is your mentality and your attitude. And that's how it is most of the time. Can we not see what God is doing? And yet our attitude is not Him. Anybody but Him. And for, for years, this scripture has been used in the church as an excuse for that attitude to continue. Let me say that again. For years, the scripture, a prophet is without honor, has been used for years. A prophet is never without honor. It has been used for years in the church as an excuse not to listen to our own. Now the Bible says it, so I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to listen to you. No, that's not what Christ said. Christ stressed an important factor that affects their faith. He didn't say, I'm giving you a license not to listen to anybody you know. He said, I'm telling you, you will miss out on great and mighty things that I want to do in your life because of your attitude. 
I want to read this. And then I'm going to pray. Look at the opposite. I want to read the opposite. Different attitude. And this is the attitude that we need to adopt. The word of God says in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd in around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, and when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And Jesus asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Listen to this, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Listen to this. And he answered them, listen to Jesus, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, ah, no, no. And Jesus asked his father, he asked the boy's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Listen to this man's next statement. When Jesus said to him, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus went into Nazareth and he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. So the opposite of that attitude is, Lord, help my unbelief. Whoever you have sent to me for my deliverance, for my growth, for my blessing, to lead me spiritually, that I may, eternal, that I may inherit eternal life, help my unbelief. Amen. 